Oh my god, did you hear what Janine said at work today? I cannot believe that shit. Like, oh my god. Oh, oh shit. Um, hold on a second. Halt, puny human. Welcome to the deepest, most darkest part of hell. Before you is the inner sanctum, where you must face the trials of the wretched. So torturous. So evil. So... Hold what? What? Oh, this is Sinister Sightings? Oh, fuck. Okay, uh... One second. Uh, pure human. We are not doing the trials. You're in luck. You have reached the Sinister Sightings Sanctum. Now, listen to the tales of the weary, the woe, the people here before you that have been able to document their survival. But remember, don't get scared. <laughs> hey y'all, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 130. And y'all just heard Ashlyn. This bitch been popping up in all the episodes lately. Right? I know. In all the best ways. Oh, yeah, yeah, we love her. <laughs> yeah, 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 we love her. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And did that, did that one, freak y'all out at first, two, make you laugh? Oh, my God. Her laughing in it made it. <laughs> Hope y'all are enjoying the spooky dooky intros this month. But if you want to introduce an episode, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. And don't forget, you get all the extra 31 nights of Halloween bonus content over there, too. Okay, the first one. It's called The Entity That Follows Me. Hey, ladies, I've been listening to your podcast for a while, and I finally decided to send my story in. I would like to remain anonymous. These experiences started when I was 10 or 11 and have both scared and fascinated me. I believe I picked up a negative entity or it recognized I was in a bad headspace and decided to prey on that. Every night I would hear scratching and tapping on the wall right next to my head. So to combat this, I slept with really heavy punk metal rock music because the drums would drown out the noise. Needless to say, that's why Green Day is my favorite band. I would experience severe sleep paralysis for weeks on end and didn't know how to stop it. That was until this entity entered my life. It was just any other normal night falling asleep to American Idiot until I woke up around 1 or 2 a.m. The scratching was intense at this point. Every time I moved, it became more desperate. I genuinely thought it was going to come through the wall. When I looked up in the corner of my room, there was a tall, shadowy figure. I knew immediately it was a man. The figure was anywhere from six to eight feet tall, and where its eyes should have been, there were glowing white lights. As soon as we locked eyes, the scratching stopped. I immediately felt safe and protected. I next saw him after I had severe sleep paralysis. It was horrific, and I was trying desperately to wake myself up. A tapping on my shoulder managed to do the trick. I looked up, shaking and afraid, and he was sat at the foot of my bed. 
his eyes still glowing that bright white. I could feel his weight on my bed, so I knew I wasn't seeing things or having another round of sleep paralysis. He stayed with me until I fell asleep. The most hair-raising experience that still scares me is when I woke up and he stood in front of me in a defensive position like he was shielding me from something. Suddenly, I saw his figure relax and he sat down on my bed. I asked if he was here to hurt me and he shook his head. I asked if something else was trying to hurt me and he nodded. I asked if it was the same thing scratching on the walls and he nodded again. I asked if he was trying to protect me. He nodded. I told him thank you and went back to sleep. I haven't seen or experienced him solely at night, however. When my mom went to pick my sister up from school, she left me home alone. She texted me to let me know where she was. I remember clear as day hearing my name called from downstairs. I thought my dad was home early, but when I ran downstairs, no one was there. I saw him out of the corner of my eye watching me. I believe he didn't realize my mom had texted me and wanted me to know that I was home alone in case I panicked. Also, my best friend made him a Christmas card, a Yule card, once I told them about him. I left it in my room, stood up, and left. When I returned, it was placed down like it had been read, and the energy in the room was overwhelmingly positive. He really liked the card. I don't know why, but I call this entity Steve from the first time I saw him. He struck me as a Steve for some odd reason. I'm also very cautious. If Steve made me uncomfortable or if I didn't feel safe, he would have been gone a long time ago. He isn't with me all the time, only when he believes I'm in danger. For example, the scratching and the tapping. Love from England. Creep it real, ladies. Holy shitballs. Well, that took a turn because I was like, oh, God, he sounds so scary. Blah, blah, blah. Me too. He was a nice one. He's like Casper of tall, scary guys. (laughs) Also, there's something very creepy with like the questioning and him just nodding, though. It was almost like he was kind of scared of whatever he was saving you from. Yeah, or he just can't talk. Well, there's that. That's fucking scary as shit. I, I don't know how you, um, I'd be scared. Yeah. Okay, the next one. Hey, y'all, here's a little encounter that I've had. I'm going to start this story with a little backstory. My aunt's name is Loopy, and she was one of my dad's sisters. She was definitely a sensitive and was thought to have psychic-like abilities. She had some mental health issues, not sure what they were, So she kept to herself, but she always knew when something was about to happen. So I'm thinking Loopy is the nickname. My dad, Joe, was a troublemaker when he was younger and was constantly getting into trouble with the local police. He would come home and hide out and she'd ask him, what did you do this time? He would then respond, what do you mean? I didn't do anything. She did then reply with, then why are the cops coming? He'd freak out saying she was crazy and didn't know what she was talking about. She would tell him, watch, they're coming over the hill. You could never hear sirens, nor did they even put them on. But a few moments later, you would see police cars coming over the hill. And a few minutes later, there would be a knock at the door, followed by a yell through the door. Joe, we know you're in there. Come on out. Years later, my dad met my mom and I was born. I became very close with my aunt, but her health took a toll and she was hospitalized and went into a coma. She passed away when I was around three years old. I remember visiting her in the hospital up until she passed 
And although she wouldn't talk or even open her eyes, she would respond when I was around. Fast forward 15 years, and this is where my story starts. Picture it. Sorry, I had to. I was young and dumb and in a very toxic relationship that at the time I thought was normal. He was very controlling and emotionally abusive. He didn't like my friends, allow me to hang out with my friends, and controlled how often I could see my family. We fought a lot, but that's normal, right? Insert a cringe. We were high school sweethearts, and the logical next step was marriage. We got engaged, and his mom pretty much kicked him out. His family was a whole other level of toxicity that I won't go into here. My parents allowed him to move in with us because they were not aware of the kind of person he truly was. He was constantly accusing me of cheating on him and talking to other guys, and one day I had just had enough of it and started yelling back. He started getting defensive and started yelling back at me. I was sitting on the bed and had a side table next to me. He was standing across the room directly in front of me in front of my closet door, which was shut. On my side table was an opened makeup bag full of makeup, and at that very moment that he yelled back at me, my makeup bag flung itself across the room directly towards him, but he had taken a step to the left and it missed him. It smashed itself against the closet door and dropped, spilling everything in it across the floor. My parents heard the yelling and the bang on the door and ran over to see what was wrong. We explained that we were in a stupid argument, but tried explaining what had happened to the bag. My dad said, oh, don't be scared. It was probably just your Aunt Loopy protecting you. I immediately believed what he said because it just felt right. I felt no harm towards myself and felt almost like I was being protected. A few months later, we ended up getting a puppy together. We were still living at my parents' house and still stayed in the same room, my childhood room. As the puppy got older, he became more aware of his surroundings and in the evenings, when my fiancé would get home from work, would stare up at the corner of the room in high alert mode. He would never growl or bark, making me think it wasn't anything trying to harm me. Six months later, we bought a house together, and a month after that, we got married in the courthouse. He wanted something quick and private. Both of our parents were there, at least. We fought the day of our wedding and didn't even sleep in the same room that night. Our relationship stayed the same, and months went by, and I was very unhappy. That's when the shadow appeared. It was more like a cloud, a big black mass of a cloud hanging down from the ceiling in the corner of our bedroom. When we were both home, we felt it. We were hit with this wave of anger, resentment, and irritability towards each other. When he was gone, I didn't feel it. When we were downstairs, we didn't feel it. I would walk into our bedroom and immediately my mood would change. Not long after that, we completely stopped talking to each other and slept on different floors of the house. I took the master bedroom because he would feel sick in there. One day, my parents came over to visit and I took them to my room so I could show them something and they said they could immediately feel a dark presence when I walked in. Something felt odd. After they mentioned it, I started realizing what was happening and that there was something there with me. I didn't know if it was there to harm me, to harm him, or warning me, but I felt like it was trying to tell me something. Not long after my parents visited, I left my now ex-husband and filed for divorce. 
I've since remarried and have two kids and have never experienced any other activity. I like to think that it was someone or something trying to get me out of that toxic relationship. I forgot to mention when I filed for divorce, he stole all of my stuff and punched holes in all the walls. Seems like if I hadn't left, the next phase of our relationship would have gotten worse. What a douche canoe. Am I right? Thank you for reading and sorry it's so long. I'm a new listener and am completely obsessed with you both. Love you girls. Creep it real. Melissa O. Wow. You know, that reminds me, I saw a thing and it was talking about like next steps in relationships and all. And it was talking about, it was one of the listeners that posted it and like, I think it's one that I'm friends with. I can't remember who it was anyway, but it was saying how kids aren't the next step in a relationship. Like mm-hmm. it's a decision. It doesn't ha- you don't have to have kids to live a fulfilling life. And it's, it reminded me of this, like just because you're with someone doesn't mean you have to get married to them. Like yeah. it doesn't have, like you could break up, you could just stay together. You could get married. You could not get married. Like it doesn't like, that's a choice too. And I feel like we're getting to where we understand that more mm-hmm. like where people don't feel like okay I've been with somebody a year well the next step is we just have to get married mm-hmm. and I'm thankful that you got out and you were safe but it's like how much of this would be stopped if we didn't have such a cultural expectation on people like okay you've been with somebody you got to get married to them okay we already get y'all are married well now you got to have kids and you know and it's or like, if you have kids then you have to get married. Yeah. And if, that's if not somebody, true either. Yeah. If somebody gets pregnant or whatever, oh, mm-hmm. well, you have to marry them. Like, why do we put these expectations on people? And it's like, you don't live their life. Like, you don't, ha- they don't have to do anything because you think they should. What is it that you always say from Forrest Gump? I don't want your life. Okay. Definitely not from Forrest Gump. That's definitely from Varsity Blues. Oh, that's right. Yeah. James Van Reek says it to his dad. Yeah. 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 It was a bad accent for me. So <laughs> I thought it was Forrest Gump. <laughs> Good try, though. Mm. But we're very glad that you are, you know, you got out of that situation. And it seems like your aunt kind of carried you through it. Yes. And so interesting that you had this dark presence in your room that you felt could have been protecting you or warning you in a way of protection. Yeah. And the first one had the same thing with Steve. Also, I love that you said douche could Okay, the next one is called Prison Ghosts. Hey, Carrie and Donna, my name is John, and I've been enjoying your show for about a year now. I love y'all so much. Thanks for doing this podcast. I became a beautiful creepster around three months ago. Well, enough of that. Here's a creepy incident I experienced while working for the state of Arizona Department of Corrections. This happened in the central unit in Florence, Arizona. They call the central unit the walls because of its 40-foot concrete walls. It's a maximum security unit that they taped the movie Stir Crazy in. Well, enough rambling. I was working on Tower 3 one night. It was around 7 or 8 p.m. Tower 3 is in the back of the unit facing towards the front of the unit. Behind my tower was the industrial yard where all of the license plates are made. Well, anyhow, I'm up there watching the activity on the yard when the hairs on my arms and the back of my neck stood straight up and I got a cold chill. Reminding you, this is Arizona and in the summer at the time of night when the temperature was in the 90s. No reason for a cold chill. Well, I look around in the front and the sides of me and there's nothing there. 
But as I turned and faced the industrial yard and looked down, there was an officer looking up at me, smiling and waving at myself. I turned my head for a split second and looked down for the officer nowhere to be found. Now, for this to happen, he would have had to have been the flash because it was a good 60 yards in each direction to run and not be seen. I called on the radio to our yard officer, and he said there was nobody back in the industrial yard doing a security check. Now, I'm freaking out. I called up the shift commander and asked him the same thing, and his reply was no also. The shift commander asked me what the officer looked like. I told him that he had an old-style hat like Barney Fife wore on the Andy Griffith Show, and his badge and patches were different than mine. He said, thanks for letting me know, and he also said that I had seen George. He was an officer that got killed in a riot in the early 1970s, and that he shows himself to other officers to warn them of shit getting ready to go down. That very next day, we had a situation on my shift where the shit hit the fan, but we were prepared thanks to George letting me see him. About two weeks later, I found a picture of George hanging on the wall somewhere in the prison. I screamed, that's him, and that's who I saw that night on Tower 3. I hope you enjoyed this story. I have so many more I could share from the prison and from my house and hospitals. Creep it real, and y'all don't get scared, John R. Holy shit. Holy shit. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm going to need you sending all the prison shit because that is fucking fascinating <laughs> to me. Also, a third protection ghost. That's wild, though. Right. I'm like, look, thank you for the protection, but can you not freak me the fuck out? Thanks. <laughs> and then you have to look like a dodo bird because you have to be the one being like, no, no, no. I saw someone there because yeah. it could be a fucking inmate trying to escape. So like, you can't just be like, oh, huh, where'd he go? Right. You know, you got to be like, no, no, guys, uh, no, I saw somebody. And they're like, there ain't nobody there. You're like, no, but I, but I saw somebody. Is somebody trying to escape? Like, you have mm-hmm. to follow the fuck up on this. Good thing that uh, your Sarge or whoever you said, the commander, knew about Georgia and knew what was up. Yes. Okay, the next one is titled My Grandmother. Hello, you amazing ladies. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. So there you go. You can know where we're at right now. Yeah. Here's my story. So I'll start with I woke up this morning with my grandmother on my mind. She was like a mom to me. From the time I was very little to the time she passed, she was my sidekick. She taught me to cook, do needlework, sew, garden, and most importantly, love who I am and never give up. Needless to say, she was my whole heart and losing her took a tremendous toll on my soul. Anyway, this is going to be long. It may ramble, so I'm sorry up front. My gram was so amazing and I believe that in some ways she was a sensitive back in the day. She's the one who told me to embrace what I feel and see. On nights when I would sleep at her house as a little kid, I would sleep with her in her bed and listen to ghost stories on the AM radio that she listened to every night. My poor papa would sleep on the not-so-comfortable couch. Anyway, she always believed that I had a gift to see spirit, and later in life she proved it more. So I will fast forward a bit. As my life moved forward, she was so proud. When I had my first daughter, their bond became amazing, just like the one that she and I shared. At one point, I had my daughter's bedroom redone and had hired an artist to come in and paint a white picket fence on the walls, flower gardens, butterflies, and clouds. I was able to go as far as having the bed created for her that it looked like a house and the bedding matched the florals and the fence on the wall. My gram came over and I asked her, what do you think? 
She said she loved it, but it's missing ladybugs. Keep this in your mind. So the artist comes back and paints ladybugs into the scenery. As time went on and my gram got older, I became her healthcare proxy as I'm in the healthcare world and understand what's going on and could make logical decisions for her care as her health started to decline. And not to bore you with all the details of the last couple of years of her life, but they were hard on her. I'll give you the abridged version. She was in and out of hospitals and rehabs for several years. In the last year of her life, I always made sure that she had her favorite pink nightgown with her, pink and silky just like her skin. In her last days, she was home, and when time was short, we had her moved back to the hospital as my grandpa was living in the house, and it would be horrible for her to pass and him find her. So back to the hospital we go, and I notice that her pink nightgown is messy, so I take it home and launder it that night. When I got to the hospital the next morning, her nursing aides were in the room. They were wonderful and had known her from her frequent visits. I asked them if there was any way they could put her in her pink nightgown. They said, certainly, and as soon as she's cleaned up, we'll come get you. This was about 8.30 in the morning. Within a few minutes, they came back and got me. I went into the room, and of course, she was completely out of it. No meds, just her body shutting down. I told her aides I would comb her hair. My grandmother always had looked amazing, matching everything, clothes, shoes, earrings, and her hair was perfect. So now it's about 9.15 in the morning, and I'm with her in her room, combing her hair, making small talk. I was telling her about my daughters, what they were doing that day in school, etc. Yes, I had another daughter who was five years younger than my oldest daughter. Anyway, I realized that at that time, no one had told her it was okay to go and that the family would be taken care of. This was probably one of the hardest things I had to do. So I started with, you know, you have raised us all upright to be tight as a family, to always take care of each other. I promise to take the role of the matriarch of the family and carry on traditions. And lastly, I told her I would take care of Papa and she should not worry. This was now around 9.30, 9.45. I finished her hair and sat down beside her. I said, hey, Graham, I think Ellen's on. She loved Ellen and watched it daily. At the time, Ellen went on at 10 a.m. I turned the TV on and held her hand. I told her I loved her and I was proud to be her granddaughter and that I was grateful for all that she taught me in my life. Well, at 10.07 that morning, my grandma squeezed my hand and she took her last breath. As this happened, I felt her pass through me. It was the most crazy feeling, but I knew it was her and she was at peace and no more pain. I sat with her for a few moments, collecting myself, and then went to go get the doctor to tell him that she was gone and I started to call the family. Later that day, ladybugs were all around me. Even to this day, if I'm going through a tough, stressful time, ladybugs appear. It can be mid-February and they appear. The twist here is that they even appear for the same reasons when my oldest daughter has challenges happening in her life. Recently, I had some doubts and have been going through a whole lot in my life on top of the pandemic. By pure coincidence, I found a photo of her that I didn't even know I had and her guardian angel pen. I put both of them on my dresser and said out loud, thank you. 
please send me a sign that all I'm working through will be done soon and all that I'm working towards is in the near future. About an hour later, a ladybug appeared. Hello, it's December. And later that night, I met an associate for dinner and a car pulled into the lot and it had my Graham's birth month, day and year. If that's not a sign, I don't know what is. It helped me put my mind at ease and know that what is happening will be fine. Sorry for the long-winded email. As I said, I woke up with her on my mind this morning and a ladybug appeared as well. She is always with me and I talk to her all the time. It has been 13 years and I'm not sure I'm completely healed from her loss. She was just the best. I have so many other stories to share and will do so in other emails. Thanks for putting up with the length of this email. Creep it real and don't get scared. Deneen. You like described my grandmother to a T. Like, yeah. Always put together, had a makeup on, had her, you know, uh huh. the best jewelry because she sold Avon. So she had all the good stuff. <laughs> I was thinking about her too when I read that. But then I also thought about my sister because the ladybugs are my symbol for my mm-hmm. sister. I thought that too when she said ladybugs and I was like, oh, okay, Lori. Mm-hmm. That was... I mean, it's sad for your loss, but it was a sweet, a sweet story too. You know, heartwarming. Okay, the next one is a paranormal ghost story. Hi, ladies. My name is Ari. I live in Iowa, born and raised, but cannot wait to get the hell out of here after university. I'm so happy I found you guys last month during my three-hour drive to visit my mom. I was in need of some new chicks to hang out with while driving or cooking or going on walks. I have two stories for you possibly the same ghost. These take place at my mom's house. A little backstory to set this up for you. My mom and my dad got divorced at the end of 2018, and my mom bought her own home in May of 2019. It isn't a super old home, maybe built in the 50s? Hold on, I'll ask her. Nope, she says uh, 1975. (laughs) So, like I said, it's not a super old house. The owners of this house before my mom was an old couple. The wife died and the husband was unable to care for himself. I have tried to find out where and when the wife died, but I can't find anything about it. I suppose I could ask her neighbors, but I don't want to embarrass my mom. The husband moved into a nursing home and that's when his children had to put the house up for sale. Cue my mom. She tours the house, loves it, but also feels a little rushed to find a place to live. She buys it. She's excited. She moves in. She hates it. It's a very outdated house, smells like mothballs, the carpets were horrifyingly dingy, and the place didn't feel like home. Side note, these were all her feelings. I really like this house. I think it's perfect for her. Anyways, let's get on with the story. This is in May 2019. Now let's fast forward to June of 2020. My mom had been in the books to have our kitchen and living room remodeled for months. Her contractor finally finished the project he had been working on and comes to work at my mom's house. My mom had all of her dishes and decor put away for the remodel, which took from the beginning of June 2020 until the first week of August 2020. Well, come August 2020, when the remodel was officially completed, my mom calls me and said, I have no idea where I put those plates. I thought I put them in with the other stuff in the bedroom. I searched the storage area in the basement twice, and I can't find them there either. Did you see them when you were here? And I said, no, and then jokingly said, why don't you ask the wife of the man who lived there before you to put them back nicely? Mom ignores my comment, as she's never entertained the idea of ghosts or spirits in her home. 
and we say our goodbyes. A few hours later, she calls me again. I pick up, and she says, you'll never guess what happened. She said, I went to the basement storage area. I looked around, and I said, Miss Redder, will you please put the dishes back where you found them? This is not funny. And I went upstairs and worked for a while. On my break, I came back downstairs, and the plates were in a bin in the storage area where I had already looked. And honestly, I was kind of shocked. My mom would never joke about something like this. She believes 100% in the spiritual world, which is why she's afraid of it and does not like to bring it up or acknowledge any sorts of spiritual activity. I laughed and said, see, you just have to be respectful yet assertive and tell her what you want. By the way, I changed my actual last name. It's not Redder, but that's what we will call her for the rest of the story. So fast forward to October 2020, I came to visit her for a weekend. One night, while I was sleeping with the bedroom door open, I awoke to hear a loud noise as if metal hit the ground. I ignored it because I thought the cat was just playing with something or I figured my mom would wake up and go check it out. I fell back asleep. I woke up the next morning, came into the living room, and my mom said, Did you hear anything last night? I said, Yeah, I did. Did you? My mom said, No, but the register, side note, I have no clue what it's actually called. My mom calls certain things names that no one else has ever heard of. (laughs) My mom calls those things on the floor that blow heat registers. Anyway, I will just continue with the story. The register by the door was flipped over. And I said, it was probably Kitty. And my mom said, this register weighs more than she does. It's really hard to flip up. I don't think she could have flipped this. So that's when we decided it was probably Miss Redder making a fuss about the whole house looking different because of the remodel. So far, I don't think much else has happened. There are weird bumps and taps and things every now and then, but who's to say it's paranormal? I still think it's very strange that my mom looked for those dishes multiple times in the same spot and didn't find them until she asked Miss Redder to put them back. Thank you guys for making such a great podcast. Keep up the work. Ari. That bitch done moved those dishes. Uh-huh. She said, welcome to my house. <laughs> I don't know the rest of the words. Imagine that. Well, if she's going to move them, can she wash them, do some stuff? Uh, Put them back in the fucking cabinets. Mm -hmm. Did you not like the dishes, missus? (laughs) God, you have an attitude toward this I really, do you know what? Don't fuck with my shit. Don't fuck with my sleep (laughs) and don't fuck with my shit. That shit's breakable. What if she'd have dropped it? What if she pulled a carry and she fucking dropped it? (laughs) Also, I want to know what the register really is. Okay, you know how like in a trailer, the air vents are on the ground? That's what I was picturing. Mm -hmm. But she said it was to be knocked off and stuff. Well, I don't know from that then. (laughs) I.e., I want to know what the register is. Register, air and heating vents. The register is a grill with moving parts capable of being opened and closed and the airflow directed, which is part of a building's heating and ventilation. Motherfucker, I said it was right. Where's the image? On Google. When you're right, you say you're right. But how she did it... It made me think it was, like, in a box. Like, yeah. A, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I guess if yours isn't, like, bolted to the floor, it can move. Yeah. It could be that. It could be, like, it wasn't screwed in all the way yeah. or something. Okay. Well, carry to the rescue. Hey, your mama had the right word. <laughs> she did. That also very much reminds me of Donna's mama, who never said the right word. <laughs> never. For anything. Ever. <laughs> like, your mom knew it and no one else knew the right words my mom everyone else knew the right words she didn't the next one is called spoopy florida hello you beautiful creepsters 
First off, thank you so much for your amazing podcast. I've spent a lot of my quarantine and some rougher days listening to your sweet voices and hilarious cackles while I do my daily chores around the house. There are days when my boyfriend's at work from dawn till dusk, so it's just me, a baby, a four-year-old, and an eight-year-old, and you two amazing ladies. I love y'all. Okay, you can use my name, India Rose, because in all honesty, anyone who lives in my old town knows about all of my forays with the paranormal. I've recently, like past year or two, become more religious, but prior to that, I kind of lived my life as I wanted to. I dated a guy who was 10 years my senior, which has a whole other set of stories to it, but not this time. All that's super important with him for this story is that we did paranormal research together for a lot of our three-year-long relationship, and I did all the historical research for it, so I learned a lot about the town and a few surrounding towns. To give a trigger warning in case this makes it on the podcast, this story includes death sentences, demonic entities, and miscarriage. It's not a fun one, but I feel I should share it here. And my apologies for how lengthy it is. I have issues with concentration sometimes. In this town, we have an original courthouse building which is attached to newer additions due to multiple fires started there over the years. Apparently, someone really didn't want them to keep any records. Anyway, I had slid into some unsavory drug and drinking habits after my second daughter's father and I split up. I was attempting to come out of those issues with my now boyfriend alongside me, and we were both dead set on me getting sober and working hard so that we could afford to get our own house in the same town. So when a job opened up for the Board of County Commissioners and was right down the road from my mother's house, I jumped on it and decided a few weeks staying with my mother while I settled into this new opportunity wasn't too shabby. I would have someone to keep an eye on my daughters when I worked, and could save my money for security first and last. Plus, you can't exactly get high and go work in a courthouse. I mean, I guess you could, but I wasn't about to chance it. The position ended up being for janitorial work and was an overnight shift. So I would go in as the courthouse closed around 5 to 6 p.m. and would get out between midnight and 3 a.m., depending on the state of the building and the floor I was assigned. Now, describing this building is always a blast because it's definitely interesting. There is a front entrance way with marble steps and some doorways and a set of office buildings and a long hallway with smaller courtrooms set off to the sides and a couple of little broom closets. This is the only portion of the entire courthouse that's from the original building, pre-fire, aka what was left over. The office buildings also had a small basement area, weird, a basement in Florida, huh, which is where our janitorial break room and office area was held. The basement led to a piece of the original building, which housed the old, creepy as hell hallway of freaking jail cells. Yes, the original jail cells where they held criminals who would later be sentenced to death by hanging. Our town preferred to sentence people to death because, unfortunately, the majority of arrests were African-American freedmen accused of theft or flirting with a white woman. Wrong as hell, but I digress. So, right after I've gotten through my first month or so of sobriety and working in this courthouse, I found out I was expecting. 
My boyfriend and I were so elated, and I went to work after a lovely weekend of celebrating our future baby and spent the week kind of getting back into the swing of work. I was so tired, as it does happen in pregnancy, but I worked my butt off. Wednesday hit, and I was super ready to get the week done and over so I could enjoy a few days off with my daughters and boyfriend. I got to work around 5.30 p.m. It was extremely dead in the courthouse. Usually there are still lawyers milling about the lobby and office workers in the tax collector's office. But it was close to Christmas, so everyone had spent the day having office parties, so everyone got out early and left a sticky mess in all the rooms. You can pass the state bar all you want, but you still get marshmallow on the damn doorknobs and elevator buttons. Now, I almost always worked in the original building, and it was super creepy. I had seen little shadows and movements here and there and felt very watched, specifically in the tax collector's office and the hallway full of cells. You could sometimes hear this odd noise, almost like someone was shuffling around and hitting the doors. They were wooden, so you could hear them bounce off of the metal frame. I was just getting done with my break and texting back and forth with my boyfriend about our future baby when I realized that I had reached my destination and put my phone up. I started clearing off a table in the little break room, and I started feeling watched. I popped my earbuds in and turned on some music and started kind of praying under my breath. But for whatever reason, the Lord's Prayer was slipping my mind. The words were there, but not coming out properly. With my back to the wall, I mopped the floor, but suddenly my breath just caught inside of my chest, and I froze inside and out. A little voice in my head told me seriously, as if someone had grabbed my chin and looked into my eyes, do not turn around. Do not. I could see what was behind me, hanging upside down on the wall. In my mind's eye, I could picture it. Think insidious demon, but more vapor-like and so horrifying. My stomach dropped. I didn't turn around. My heartbeat was literally blasting into my eardrums. My body was in overdrive screaming at me to get out, get away. I pictured it reaching toward my stomach from behind me, but I had shut my eyes so hard it hurt, and I just grabbed my mop and flipped the light switch off and ran. Of course, to get to the break room where the other people were who I could feel safe around, I had to go down the hallway of cells, and the light switch had to be shut off from the back of the hallway. Then you have to walk down it in the dark. I didn't walk. I flipped the switch and ran. I had to pee. I was sobbing by now. I was absolutely terrified. I could hear mumbling in the cells and the doors being bumped and whispering and breathing sounds. But I didn't pause to think. I ran, leaving a trail of mop water and probably dirt. But I didn't care. I finally got to the office and saw my coworkers sitting around a table. I came in so fast that they looked up from their phones or magazines and looked at me. They were asking, why are you crying? What happened? And are you okay? I could only mutter, I saw something. I gotta pee. Who is she, me? (laughs) I walked over to the restroom, sat down, breathing hard, and realized as I wiped, I was bleeding. The cramp started, but I finished my shift anyway. I started feeling worse, so rather than going home and going to bed, I texted my mother and told her I was going to the hospital for stomach pains. She didn't know about the pregnancy yet. When I got to the emergency room, I found out I was indeed miscarrying the baby. 
As I was poked and prodded and subjected to all the tests, I sobbed and could only picture the thing reaching out to my stomach. I think now that as my addictions and depression and anxieties left my body, something in that building saw it and wanted to bring me back to it. It needed my energy. I've been sober since then, and we had our rainbow baby, Magnolia Bell, in December 2019. We are expecting again, and I am steadily reading my Bible and making huge steps in spiritual growth. I have never seen anything like that again. I think it wanted me to know that I was ridding myself of all these negative things that evil feeds off of, and was angry it was losing a host for its evil. So it took something from me. I'm not sure. They said there was no medical reason behind it, as every other pregnancy I've had before and since has been completely healthy and normal. I just know it was not some random thing. I'm so happy and healthy now, although I'm a little bigger. Not quite an extra large pizza, but I'm definitely on the more large side of medium. I'm grateful to have this podcast as an outlet for this story because I don't have anywhere else to share it. And I want to honor my baby, even if it wasn't meant to be. You ladies are so wonderful and lovely to listen to, and I hope that you're staying safe during this ongoing pandemic. I send you guys so much love and pray for your wellness and success. A big hello to you guys from Florida, from myself and my three daughters, Sophia, May, and Magnolia, and fetus of unknown gender name, of course. I have many more stories for you guys, but I'll try to make sure it's a little shorter than this one. Love y'all, India Rose. That is terrifying. That's heartbreaking. Also heartwarming your story of your strength and Triumph, everything. Yeah, absolutely. And overcoming. And mm-hmm. When you said you could see it in your mind's eye, like it hanging upside down, reaching out. Oh, girl. Mm-mm. I like I could picture it too and oh my gosh yeah that like how do you go back to work after that you know what I, mean? I don't know and I love how you said who is she being because that is so something Carrie would say like I saw something I got to pee and I'm like wait wait what 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 did you see yeah and also you of uh, you not running down that hall dark oh hell no well if it's the dark I, I will I will speed walk but that's a mosey to most people. Yeah, but you don't like dark halls. No, I do not like it. That is a way to get me to go a little bit faster. If you're walking behind me, turn off the light because uh, I'll start boogieing it. True story. Happens all the time. <laughs> She's really terrified of my hallway. It is scary. It's it, like three feet long. I don't care. It is fucking scary when it is dark. Something is in that hallway and you will not change my mind. Okay, the next one. Hey ladies, you can totally use my name for this story, so no worries. I love that y'all check for consent before ever sharing names. It's the little things that matter. This is a true crime story that happened when I was little, like five or six years old, question mark. My older sister was there too, about 12 or 13 at the time, and she helped me fill in the blanks of things I forgot about. There are two neighborhoods in our immediate area. We grew up in the smaller neighborhood, maybe 30 houses, and we were bused to school with a larger neighborhood that was attached to ours. The two neighborhoods were broken up by a gate and a big hill. We lived in front of the gate at the bottom of the hill. Most of our childhood friends lived in the larger neighborhood on the other side of the gate at the top of the hill. 
As a kid, I was never allowed past the gate by myself, but I could ride bikes past it with an older sibling. One summer day, my sister and I go riding bikes past the gate and through the larger neighborhood. We meet up with two of our friends from school. Both were boys. I remember the four of us sitting behind a parked car laughing about some joke one of them told. We start biking again. The older kids going slow so I could keep up. And eventually, one of them noticed a car was following us. One of the big kids suggested that we go separate directions, the boys toward their street and my sister and I towards our house at the bottom of the big hill. The car paused, then followed my sister and me. Sixteen years later, my sister still says it was intentional that the driver followed the girls instead of the boys. My sister knew that if we got to the gate, the car would be slowed down by it opening while we went through the bike path and got home safely. But the gate was at the top of the hill and my little legs wouldn't make it as quickly as hers could. At the last possible moment, she told me to pull off into the Smith's, name changed, duh, driveway. My bike skidded as I turned. My big sister pulled me up and we ran to the front door. Only at this point did I start to feel panicked. Up until then, I had no idea anything was wrong. My big sister knocked on the Smith's door and Miss Smith answered. They have a son a year older than me and we went to the same school and rode my bus. So our families know each other. But we didn't know each other well at this point. My sister starts to explain what was happening and I run under Miss Smith's arm and into the safety of her house. As the car that followed us parked and the woman got out, Miss Smith realized what was happening and ushered my sister inside with me. She talked to the woman that was following us for a bit. The woman demanded to know our names, our parents, and where we lived because she thought we were laughing at her. Miss Smith handled the situation and offered to take us home in her car. Later on, she called our mom to apologize for not letting us inside immediately when we panicked knocked on her door. I became good friends with her oldest son a few years later and spent many days at the Smith's house. I didn't really remember this day until my sister brought it up when I was a teenager. I haven't hung out with any of the Smiths in a few years, but I'll always be thankful to Miss Smith and how she took care of my sister and me that day. My big sister has frequently referenced that day as a point where she was thankful I listened and obeyed her without question. That woman probably wouldn't have hurt us if she caught up with us, but I'm thankful for my big sister and her decision to go up to the Smiths at the last possible second because who knows what else may have taken place. In a recent conversation about this day, my sister said that this woman is what we now call Karens. We just didn't have a name for it then. Hope y'all had a great Christmas and Happy New Year, Erin. See, I went to, she wanted to know where y'all lived so she could like stalk y'all later. I don't know what I thought, but I'll tell you what I think right now is that who the fuck are these adults like following kids because you think a kid's fucking laughing at you? Right. Like, I've seen that happen on... We've actually gotten stories about that before. And I've seen it happen, like, on crime shows and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you are a fucking adult, first of all. So, who cares if a kid is laughing at you? And second of all, you don't follow a child Mm -hmm. home on a fucking bike to be like, why are you laughing at me? Right. Don't follow anyone home because that puts you in danger. You know, just to be like... To get your say in it, no. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Is that, is you defending yourself against someone that you perceive as laughing at you? They weren't even laughing at you. They were laughing at a fucking joke. Yeah. And, I mean, is that real? You know, 
Yeah. Is that worth your safety too? Uh-uh. God. Also, like, that just reminds me of, you know, when people say, like, I don't want to go to the gym or I don't want to do this or, like, when you walk into a room or whatever, you have all these insecurities because you're like, oh, my God, people are going to look at me and judge me or whatever. I literally had a conversation with Tiffany that I, you know, like, I live out loud, I whatever, but there is one thing that I am so embarrassed when I buy. It's toilet paper. What? Why? And it's like, why? Everyone shits. It doesn't matter. And, um, well, unless you're carrying she-she and have uh, a bidet. A bidet. But they even still get toilet paper. Yeah, girl, I got a dry wipe. But, like, everyone does it. But it's just like, I don't know. Why do they have to make them so big? And can they get some better packaging? A little bit more discreet. I don't know why. It, why? Because then people would know what the discreet packaging is. It doesn't matter. It's just like hidden more. I, I don't know. I can buy all of the feminine products and everything, like whatever. I don't care about that. But it's like toilet paper. I don't know why. It just embarrasses me. And it's like, you know how many times I notice what people have in their buggies? Um, Unless it's like, oh, shit, that looks good. What is that? You know, and it like just catches my eye. Like it registers to me like... I want that. I don't notice what they have in their buggies at all. So why would they notice that I have toilet paper? You know what I mean? Like no one is paying attention to you. The only time that I really get embarrassed like that is like Saturday when we went to Sam's and I had to go grab my poise pads (laughs) and I felt like this lady was like staring at me, grabbing them and wanted to be like, yes, I'm 36 and I have to get poise pads because yes, ma'am, I have interstitial what do i have interstitial cystitis because i have fucking interstitial cystitis so come at me bitch yeah and but she wasn't no she just was looking at me like you know but like i was so defensive Mm -hmm. like yes i'm young and i have linkage (laughs) issues (laughs) (laughs) but it's like yes but it why do we just think how you always say like why do you think you're so like amazing that people actually care what you're doing yeah because they don't right and That's so it. And I mean, I've been the same way where like you walk by someone or like someone or something and like there's like a smirk or not a smirk, but like a laugh and you're like, oh my God, was that with me? But then you're like, you look back and they're like laughing with their friends and like on a phone, you know, and it's like, hello, what the fuck? Because also I feel bad when we laugh because, you know, we cackle and I'm like, that was not to anyone. Like we're just, you know, like. Carrie said something really funny and it could have been like a flub or, you know, like whatever. And we're cracking up like it's the funniest thing ever. And it's literally, you know, she said, Mon Coon. Yeah. And literally it's taken everything in me to not tell Will to delete that part out because I know like some of Colby's coworkers listen and all that. And I'm like, oh, I kind of don't want to do any of that. God damn it. Fuck that. People are weird. Yes. Well, you know what? Everyone pees. You just pee. Um, when I sneeze sometimes. Yeah. And when I laugh And too you hard. know what? That just means you're hygienic. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, so, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. So, like, I don't know. To me, I, I get it because we all have those insecurities or whatever, you know. But that doesn't mean you follow a motherfucking kid. No, never. Never. And good on you and your sister. Good on you for listening to your big sister. Yes. And good on your sister for keeping y'all safe. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Last one. Hey, Donna and Carrie. First off, big love for y'all from Ohio. I heard about you guys from True Crime Obsessed, but waited till a few weeks ago to give y'all a listen. 
two to three weeks later, and I've listened to at least 20 hours of you. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm a real content consumer, and you two really get me with true crime and paranormal. I know I'm already kind of wordy so far, but I have one of each. First is true crime. Picture it. My five-year-old younger self has been working at a small family-owned salon in a town of about 3,000 people. I had become good friends with my boss and her daughter, who was just a few years younger than myself. The boss's daughter ended up having a drug problem I was blissfully unaware of. Long story short, on that end, she ended up at rehab in one of the biggest and worst cities in Ohio. She left rehab on foot, looking for a fix, and got literally grabbed off the street by human sex traffickers. She ended up being missing more than a month, and I was able to find her on a tip my boss was talking about in explaining how a missing persons detective was looking for her. We are talking Craigslist back pages where women quote-unquote, sell themselves, which I'm guessing isn't the usual case. Knowing more about the world, I found myself in looking for her. I was growing my clientele, so I had plenty of time to look for her, but it only took about 15 minutes for me to find her on the back pages for that city. Two weeks and an FBI sting later, they had gotten her out of that place. Even now, they still can't nail the guy down, even though he is well-known in the industry and literally burnt down his own houses with girls he used for sex trafficking in, so they didn't testify against him. Oh my god. He's a fucking literal worst. I know that's a lot and feels very long, but I will end quickly with a paranormal feel-good story. In 2017, my husband and I bought a house built in 1900s and happened to be the third owners of the home, so it's been well-loved. I meticulously took care of the mature gardens and expanded them just before our wedding we were having in the backyard. Right around the time of the wedding, we found a single pearl earring near the dog dish that couldn't have came from anywhere else besides the spirit of the previous owner. To this day, I still believe Thelma was thanking us and giving her approval of the love we already had for the house. Much, much love. Thanks so much for an amazing podcast. Aw, Thelma, that's so sweet. That is sweet. A lot of these people come in and give in like recognition gifts and stuff to the owners of their house uh-huh. and their loved ones. and That is sweet. And that is so freaking scary about your boss's daughter. Oh, my God. I know. See, okay. That, that Okay. I'm so glad you reminded me about that. You know, the whole point of the first part of the email. Because this right here is why sex work should fucking be legal. Mm-hmm. It's consensual. It's regulated. It would cut down on some of the black market stuff because then you'd have like the inappropriate, like illegal kinks would be the only thing on the black market. Yeah. Like stuff with kids. Yeah. That would be the shit that's already on the black market that people are fucking douchebags and they're going to do anyway. And we've got to catch them all. But consensual adults doing consensual things would be fucking regulated. You could tax that shit. You could make sure that people are safe, using protection, mm-hmm. getting getting STI testing, all of that shit. And you wouldn't have these poor people getting kidnapped. Yeah. Because they have a substance abuse problem and they're just doing the best that they fucking can. Right. No, wholeheartedly agree with that. Well, I'm so glad that you found her and that that you were taken seriously, too, when you found her so that they weren't just like, oh, okay, no, they actually got involved and helped you find her. Right. Or helped you rescue her. 
Yeah. Wow. Y'all, these stories were so heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. I don't know how y'all do it every freaking week, but y'all are amazing. Thank y'all so much for sending all these stories in. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.